Drafting Archetypes is brought to you by Game Grid Lehigh. Game Grid Lehigh is an amazing place to buy and sell Magic the Gathering singles. Whether you're building a new cube or crafting your new constructed deck, Game Grid Lehigh is the place to do it. Got a draft coming up with some friends? Buy some seal product here and get it quick. So click the referral link in the description to help out the show. And don't forget to use the code DRAFTPRO10 to get 10% off on your next order at gglehigh.com. Hi everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and today we're going to be talking about drafting blue-white in Dominaria United. As always, you can follow along with uh, the notes at uh, Patreon patreon.com slash drafting archetypes if you're a limited guru or above level patron of the podcast over there. So let's get into it. Uh, a common theme in Dominaria United is figuring out which colors thing your deck is about and or how you're blending like the two things together if you have like two primary colors i talked about this in the episode last week about white black that you're often going to be like a white deck with black cards or a black deck with white cards and there's kind of a philosophically fundamentally different approach there where white represents large games and black represents small games white more tempo black more attrition i think White blue is in a similar spot, kind of all around, where you're either white leaning or blue leaning. The more uh, white you are, the more wide, large, large boards, large games you are. The more blue you are, the more small you are. Less attrition-ish, kind of than uh, black. We'll get into what blue is doing in a little bit. Certainly slightly different trade-offs at work, but a similar situation where you, you know, you want to figure out what your deck's plan is, and often that plan is going to be more like, I'm doing white's thing or I'm doing blue's thing. Doing white's thing in this format generally means caring about the card Argivian Cavalier, the three mana 2-2 two two that makes it 1-1 one one and has enlist. It's kind of just like white is generally trying to go wide. Uh, Cavalier is a very good rate for doing that. Sets up cards like Argivian Phalanx, though I think that blue-white, uh, even if you're on the white side, is relatively unlikely to want Argivian Phalanx, because what blue-white is doing typically cares about uh, instance and sorceries in some way, and most of those are cards that are not putting creatures into play for you, meaning that likely not all of your cards and often many of your cards are not dedicated to getting more creatures into play quickly, which uh, makes failings a lot worse than if you're really just like curving out creatures. But you care about Argivian Cavalier, and I think so. Basically, I think that if you're white-based, you're uh, looking to play relatively high-power cheap creatures, flying creatures, and tempo spells and you know you're pretty happy to you know curve like benos sleeper or samite herbalist into maybe another creature ideally and then a tolarian geyser to like remove your opponent's blocker get some damage in maybe then they get a couple blockers into play uh, maybe you use stall for time to lock those down get more damage in uh, maybe that ends the game, maybe it doesn't, maybe you get them low, and then you play a flyer, 
And then they start like trying to race you and you finish them off the flyer because you've got them low in life with your like early creatures and tempo spells. I would say that roughly that is like what you're trying to do with a base white plus blue cards tempo deck. I think it's kind of the best deck in the format for stall for time. And as long as your curve is low, you can use stuff like Essence Scatter to kind of like stop your opponent from catching up and stabilizing while you get early damage in. Yeah, so that's kind of the like, you know, there are constructed decks that are like this. I guess, you know, sometimes that archetype ends up being called like aggro control, where you deploy some kind of threat, protect that threat and or destabilize your opponent while that threat uh, takes advantage of like the tempo offered by not costing very much mana to end the game. And so that that's kind of the like white plus blue space. As for blue plus white, I think that blue plus white often really revolves around Wrath and or Tura, the Uncommon Legends, and they fall into sort of like a protect the queen strategy where you play one of them and then either of those cards gives you some kind of advantage every time you play a spell. So you have like these one-for-one spells and cantrips that extend the game or find you more gas to extend the game. And every time these things happen, you get further ahead in some way. And you have like shore up, take up the shield, protect the negotiators, potentially negate to like protect these creatures while you use like impulse and timely interference and and uh, Phyrexian espionage to get more cards and then artillery blast and destroy evil and even citizens arrest even though it doesn't trigger those things it helps you prolong the game at one for ones while you kind of just ride the incremental advantage that those uh legends are providing you can win with you know maybe instead of having one of those you're doing something similar and you just have some Telerian terrors Telerian terror i think is like less likely to be the whole thing that's going on in blue white than in like uh blue black for example where recurring Telerian terrors is really big uh Telerian terror is more like yeah, I have like a bunch of spells and I'm looking for a way to kill someone. This will do in blue-white, a little bit more replaceable. So like fine, but not a priority. Like I would generally prefer terror to uh, look out in blue-black, but look out to terror in blue-white, for example. Even Academy Wall can do kind of a budget version of the Protect the Queen strategy, usually for a little while, right? It'll help you like not flood out while you're trading resources, but it's not going to kill your opponent, but it can help you find the thing that you're about that will win the game. And so you can play a similar game plan strategically off an academy wall to what you would be doing with Wrath, as long as you're drawing to something better that can take over as far as like, how do you win the game after you've like made a bunch of trades and avoided falling behind? So... Yeah, blue-white, I think, is fundamentally value over time. Basically trying to find a creature that can function like a Planeswalker, which both Wrath and Tura do. Like, there are Planeswalkers that draw an extra card every turn. There are Planeswalkers that make creature tokens every turn. Wrath and Tura do something like that. 
And so in limited, that kind of creature is often what's going to pass for that sort of effect if that's what you're looking for. But you can kind of think of yourself as like the limited version of kind of like a, you know, blue-white super friends, uh, like planeswalker and stuff to stall the game fundamental strategy might provide some useful context for like thinking about how the game is going to go and like what what it is that's making you win with that kind of deck of course blue white can also become a defender deck as always i personally wouldn't recommend touching defenders without wing mantle chaplain but uh blue white's a really really good place to be if you do have wing mantle chaplain and the combination of Clackwork Drawbridge, Walking Bulwark, Coral Colony, and Academy Wall. Those cards interact really well with each other. They can, you know, you can win a game with those cards without drawing Wing Mantle Chaplain. Technically, you can win games with those cards even without drafting Wing Mantle Chaplain. I still don't think I'd want to try to, but I mean, like, Bulwark plus Academy Wall in particular is a very respectable, like, threat that you have assembled. And so uh, blue-white is kind of like the best shell to go really deep on defenders. Like I generally prefer my Wing Mantle Chaplain decks to be about black so that like I can keep casting my Wing Mantle Chaplain even if my opponent kills it. Blue-white is more likely to care more about its other walls and then have a cha have chaplain be one of the many things you can do with your walls uh and then ideally you can like geyser your chaplain a few times but sometimes like if it dies that's it and so then you need to have stuff like bulwark and coral colony as kind of your like well like your backup plan to win if your opponent has like answered your chaplain or maybe you like happen to not draw your sentinels slash chaplain or whatever I think you're more likely to have kind of like a robust wall game plan that can do the other wall stuff. Like you're more likely to win with Bulwark or win with Coral Colony in heavy blue-white defenders than some of the other directions you can go with defenders. As far as splashing, uh, as always, the slower, longer games you're playing, more controlling your deck is, the more you want to splash. Therefore, the like base blue version is much more likely to want to splash than the base white version, since the base blue version is fundamentally more of a control deck, where the base white version is fundamentally more of a tempo deck. So the base blue version will sometimes splash enough that it's not super recognizable as blue-white. It's, you know, impulse, etc., blue, multicolor, base with you know destroy evil maybe some random like white threats maybe maybe a raft and then also removal from any other colors your lightning strikes and tribute or board tributes or tribute board or whatever and you know maybe fires of victory uh maybe you're splashing like tail swipe and you have a uh, micromancer or something you, you can end up playing a lot of colors pretty easily in your blue control decks if you want it's very easy to pivot out from well i started with like a blue card like maybe i started with a blue white gold card took some blue card draw and well here's a removal spell that's the best card in the pack so i'll just take it regardless of what color it is repeat that process a few times and you've added a bunch of extra colors to your deck 
but you, you know, as long as you still have like maybe, you know, protect the negotiators and RAF. And so you're trying to like have enough early creatures to make sure that you can use your RAF and use your, your protect the negotiators. But like, that's not very many early creatures because you can find them with impulse and you, you know, only need like two or three in play. It ends up, you know, blurring the line between like, this is blue, white X and this is any other Esper deck I've talked about. As for splashing in base white, uh, I think you're most likely to splash red because there's kind of, um, basically because of Kelton Strike Team. Like, if you're trying to do a go wide thing, Wrath and Balmor, Balmor is a very good card to splash in a blue white deck because like in a white based blue white deck because as i mentioned you probably have stuff like argivian cavalier that's like letting you go kind of wide and then you know you have some like blue cantrip type stuff that's there for like tempo reasons but you get a balmore and now like these like tempo cards are actually kind of damage explosive and then once you're wide and aggressive and in blue white and like you have Balmore, then Keldon Strike Team is an actual other edition. And this space can pretty easily pivot into any sort of like aggro Jeskai space. You might end up, you know, finding, oh, there are actually more red cards than blue cards that like support an aggressive position, or red's more open than blue because blue is more highly contested in this format during drafts in general, whatever. You might end up starting out blue white and then kind of like slowly drifting into white, red, splash, blue, or whatever. Black is also available as a really light splash for kickers on creatures that you want to play, like Sleeper and Missionary. Green, like, theoretically, there's kind of the, like, green-white aggro thing that, like, Strength of the Coalition represents, and, like, the green-white legends tell you that they're about going wide, but the problem is that the cards are both just not quite as good as the other, like, Uncommon Legends for the most part. I think green is kind of the least likely color. I have ended up Bant, like, a few times, largely just in spots where, like, I have Raph and Tatiova, and I think both of those cards are really good. But I'm not really splashing green at that point. I am typically more, like, balanced three uh, or splashing white because that's how tatiova works since it's double green to cast but like green isn't really offering you a lot in terms of kickers that you care about like i think the most likely would be trying to kick the fairy into being able to be a 3-3 but i mean it's a weird deck where that's like a thing that's happening where you're like lightly splashing green to sometimes kick your fairy into a 3-3 flyer is that's a strange deck because you're probably not playing the fairy unless you need it for fixing is my implication there it is playable as flyer to enable RAF and protect the negotiators, but whatever. Like I said, I think that's going to be more of a fringe case. So that's kind of the like strategic positioning of the various decks that exist in this space, to my mind. I was looking around at stats for some of this stuff. Uh, it's still the case that I find like weird details of the stats in this format confusing and or unlikely to be super predictive of what's right for a particular player due to how complex this format is i guess is my best guess about the explanation there i was digging around the like difference between 
like the aggregate player data and the top player data as far as like win rates of commons and stuff. And I noticed a really weird fluke, which is, or quirk, I guess maybe, which is that Samite Herbalist has the highest win rate in blue-white among commons other than Shieldwall Sentinel. Shieldwall Sentinel is always just clearly understood to be kind of an outlier in common win rates in this format due to it just representing the win rate of Wingmantle Chaplain. But Herbalist, so Herbalist is very low sample size, so not really an indicator of like this card is just generally strong. Like when there's a really small sample size, there's usually something going on like, oh, this is only played if this other thing and this other thing is what's actually making me win more. But like it has a significant improvement when drawn also. So it's not just like, oh, I only play this in decks that have like a lot of this other card that's great. And it's totally riding on that coattails, that other card, sort of. But my guess is that the primary factor here among top players succeeding with Samite Herbalist is I think top players are very unlikely to have Samite Herbalist in most of their blue-white decks. I've found Samite Herbalist to be like, okay, if you have a bunch of enlist and otherwise I don't really want it. But the card that would make me want it is if I have like multiple copies of Wrath. The idea of like scrying and gaining life every time I use Wrath is pretty appealing. And so if like Samite Herbalist is doing really, really well, just because if you have Samite Herbalist in your deck, you have like maybe multiple rafts that you're aggressively trying to find with Impulse or whatever, like that combo does sound really good. So as a Wrath enjoyer, I think it does make sense for me to like think a little bit more about uh, Samite Herbalist as a Wrath accomplice or co-conspirator, um, especially in a really removal-heavy deck where uh, you might be decent at like killing your opponent's blockers to be able to attack with Samite Herbalist to help scry for more removal or whatever. There aren't a lot of other ways to tap Samite Herbalist at your leisure. Like There are very few vehicles and stuff like that, but I did note the High win rate of Samite Herbalist there as a thing to consider, especially like I, I, it's really hard for me to imagine that there's an explanation that doesn't involve Wrath for what's going on there. So just something to think about. That's kind of uh, my thoughts and what I prepared here. Again, as I keep running into in this format, I feel like I want to go into like more detail. Like it feels like I'm missing like, you know, oh, here's like pick order here like the best commons or whatever but again it just i think it varies so much um that i think that it's better to have like just an understanding of what your deck is trying to do and then to like then i hope the commons kind of naturally like present themselves as helping you do that thing or not do that thing or do that thing or do you do one of those things or the other thing or whatever definitely uh would encourage anyone in chat uh to ask any questions about places where that's not clear or questions like you know when would you prefer impulse to espionage stuff like that um i would generally prefer impulse incidentally here especially in the 
protect the queen type space where you're trying to like find the queen and kind of like keep chaining casting a lot of spells and like Raph really likes to operate at instant speed so you don't have to tap your creatures on your turn so th there is stuff like that that like I can get into but it's hard to figure out like it, it's also contextual like the, the more you have you know Raph and Tura the more you want impulse the more you have a bunch of removal and you're like one for one and looking for way for a way to get ahead the more you want espionage so like it's it's still even like not clean there even just like among those two cards in a control deck so anyway gonna turn it over to twitch chat now for questions as always um, any questions you have about this archetype, regardless of whether you've already said something about it in chat, enter it again now so I know it's uh, still something you want addressed. While I'm waiting for some questions, I want to, of course, thank my new patrons this week, uh, Kyle and Jimmy. Thank you very much for the support. And, of course, remind everyone else, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, getting assorted benefits, uh, notes polls uh coaching discounts etc be sure to check out patreon.com slash drafting archetypes all right in blue light what decks want tura i often find a five mana creature that dies to lightning strike is hard to play when you want a high spell density yeah so i generally want to play shore up if i'm playing tura and i want to turn my clunky five drop into a clunky six drop and the answer to what decks want to do that is kind of the same decks that want the six mana gin. The six mana gin is something that I hadn't really been thinking about when I talked about blue black, but I think it is a serviceable. My deck is pretty good at stopping my opponent from killing me and playing kind of a long game. But I'm sort of threat light, and I think if my opponent has a few removal spells, I might just deck myself. How do I fix this? Tura is like a blue-white version of that thing, where you're like really, really removal and spell dense, and you're looking to uh, avoid never having a way to kill your opponent. So you go to Tura as a way to like do a high impact thing eventually. So I guess what I'm saying is I want Tura when I'm not feeling like any pressure to cast my five mana spell on turn five, the same way that like, I'm not looking to kind of like slam Jin on turn six and blue black and have that turn the game around. I'm not looking to like play Tura on turn five in blue white. This is for when you're looking for like, okay, it's turn 10 I have a lot more cards than my opponent, but I need to, like, actually win eventually. Uh, what can I find that's going to, like, let me impulse for a way to close the game eventually? Often, kind of like, you know, roughly anything will do here. Tour is not, like, a very high priority, but it fills that, like, I need to, like, clean up kind of role in a way where, like, if you can't afford to attack or like your opponent has like a Magnagoth sentry, so like just a flyer, like, you know, they, they maybe have a Magnagoth sentry. So like you have something like, you know, a Talus lookout that like can't get through. Uh, Tura doesn't need to be getting through to be like getting you closer to win the game. I hope that none of this is making Tura sound especially good. That's intentional, but 
Yeah. I find myself really lacking ways to close the game with blue-white when I don't open a good rare or uh, rare bomb or chaplain. Yep, that's kind of what I'm using Tour for. Should I take cards like Terror more highly in the first packs in case of weak picks in later packs? That's kind of where I am with blue in general, as like the more I, you know, really like just playing a lot of removal and stuff, the more I feel like I need to take Chaplain to make sure that I can win a game. You know, as I talked about, I think Terror is worse in blue-white than it is in blue-red or blue-black, but early on like you're talking about taking terror more highly in the first packs in the first pack i'm not likely to know you know which other colors i'm playing with my blue cards and so yeah i'm i'm generally in a space where i want to prioritize uh terror early in a draft if i'm in blue just kind of regardless i'll note that like i couldn't find a subset of like players in blue white or whatever where terror had good stats i think terror kind of like classically has weirdly low stats on 17 lands i think due to people not like using it right like playing it like not even not using it right it's that it's correct to play it when it's not at its best and when you play it when it's medium it drags down the stats for relative to its strength when it's best but you can usually draft it as if it's gonna be at its best and so its performance when you do that is going to be better than its overall stats indicate. But I think in blue-white, you're more often going to experience the medium terrors than the, like, insane terrors, right? Like, it's going to take your whole turn to play it on turn, like, you know, five or whatever, whereas, like, in blue-black, maybe you won't play it till turn five, but you'll be able to double spell when you play it or something. And like that matters a decent amount. How highly would you pick terrors and how many instants and sorceries do you need to play? Kind of what I was just speaking to early on. I would pick them pretty highly because I just take them highly because I don't know what my deck is going to end up like uh, later on. I'll take them if I like need a card to fit that role. But again, I think that, you know, they're not going to be amazing here. And I'm not really necessarily like expecting them to or leaning on them being amazing but they're like a way to get the job done. How many instances and sorceries do you need to play? You know, I haven't like done a lot of science on like playing worst case scenario terrors. Just like, I just don't draft in a way where that happens. I tend to like really lean into optimizing the cards that I have. And like, I'm pretty happy to play a lot of instances and sorceries anyway. So like if I have terrors, I'm just going to like have a lot of instances and sorceries also. I think where I would start thinking about, like, I have this terror, do I really want to play it, is if I'm, like, below... If I'm seven or more instants and sorceries, I'm just going to happily play my terror. If I'm below that, I need to think more about what's going on with my deck. Does blue want to be more spell-heavy or creature-heavy? Many of its spells tend to favor both approaches. Which one is better? So this is kind of what I was talking about, about how you need to, like, choose your lane and you're going to be, uh, you know, either like I'm a white deck with blue cards or a blue card deck with white cards. If you're a white deck with blue cards, you're going to be like more creature heavy. If you're a blue deck, you're going to be more spell heavy. So like which one is better to me is very similar to any other. I can draft this deck or that deck, which one's better. And the answer is it just depends on the cards you're seeing, the cards you have, what's open at your table. Um, like I think, you know, pretty intentionally both are viable. Which one's better more often is the thing I could speculate on, but I don't think is... I mean, I was going to say not really something you should concern yourself with. But honestly, that's not really true, right? Like, 
there will be plenty of drafts where you start with, you know, a good blue or white card and then you get another good blue or white card and you're like, okay, I'm blue or white. What should I expect my deck to do? The thing is, even in those cases, there are not a lot of cards that are just like, I'm neutral blue white. Like I have a good blue white card. Like the cards that you have are going to inform your direction. I would say Protect Negotiators is a good example of a like strong, flexible card that I'm roughly equally happy with in either. Because like the more spell heavy I am, the more happy I am with like get a small edge while trading one for one. The more creature heavy I am, the better Protect the Negotiators is. Because the more it's going to like be a hard counter easily because I'm more likely to have a wide board. But like it's still just going to be, well, I'm just going to take kind of the best cards and see what direction they put me in more than I'm going to be like targeting a thing. I say that, but also at the same time, I know that I as a player gravitate toward blue style decks a lot more than white style decks and all of my judgment calls about which of two cards is stronger is usually going to be the blue one. But that doesn't mean that I think that for you, the blue version is stronger than the white version, right? Like it might be the case that I'm going to take Essence Scatter over Givian Cavalier. And so I'm going to end up in blue version more often. I'm going to draft knowing that that's a pick that I would make and therefore draft to plan for that pick and to navigate into blue. But, like, the stats suggest that Argivian Cavalier uh, is better than Essence Scatter, I think. And so, like, blue is a better fit for my natural tendencies in a draft, personally. But I don't, I wouldn't make the claim that, like, blue is a better base for decks that are blue and white for players in aggregate than white is. And this is, you know all very much core to my philosophy about draft in general and especially in this format and in this format a big part of why i'm lower on the data and even lower on pick orders than i usually am and i'm someone who's low enough that i insisted on creating a new structure for limited content because i hated pick orders so much um so that's that's kind of my long rant about which is better questions in general. The go-wide decks. Are you valuing uh, otherwise underwhelming flyers like Mesa Cavalier? Uh, have you had non-wall decks that want to exploit slash build around flyers? I don't have it in me to uh, value Mesa Cavalier as a card. I, I just, I, I can't do it. Um, it. It would like, Mesa Cavalier is strategically fine for what Blue White's doing, but I, I can't bring myself to like recommend positioning yourself to try to take advantage of Mesa Cavalier. I mentioned that I think that that deck does want to use Soaring Drake. Soaring Drake for me is a sometimes treat. Um, there, there are decks that I have that really want Soaring Drake, decks that I have that don't care about Soaring Drake. I do think that like the go-wide decks are particularly into Soaring Drake and Talos Lookout, but like because my predilections are not toward trying to be go-wide, I am unlikely to find myself attempting to go wide in a seat where it's contested enough that I have to play Mesa Cavalier to do it. So... I'm going to be thinking more about like, 
am I more likely to use larger numbers of the cards that I like to play rather than like do I have to play bad versions of them? Have I had non-wall decks that want to build around flyers? Yes. Do you think the Samite Herbalist read could also be in part due to the lack of quality in other commons to drop creatures in this archetype? Um, there's Figment, but other commons look really poor uh, in almost any version of this. So the other two drop that's most relevant, I think, is Sleeper, uh, particularly because if you're using Geyser and uh, Stall for Time and even more Take Up the Shield, uh, the extra power is pretty big, um, just in terms of like getting your opponent low and like... I think sleeper can like attack into a like there are a bunch of like meaningful four force and being able to attack into those with sleeper would take up the shield uh compared to the other two drops that can't is pretty big i was surprised to note that figment has like pretty bad stats among all players in blue white it seems to me like the white based decks could use figment reasonably well um like it seemed kind of on plan with the like push early damage and then like uh kind of win the race with like chip shots with flyers and figment can do kind of a flying impression when you're trying to close out the game i think that this might be a spot where uh disambiguating the data between like base blue decks and base white decks and stuff like that and figuring out and like looking for well you know how does figment do in the decks that is best in like i think figment is kind of the better creature to round out your like blue white go wide deck like figment's the better music cavalier to me and i think like herbalist maybe also in that space where you're just like well i needed it to and it was either 2-1 with like a decent ability or 2-2 with a green kicker and like those are my options for two drops uh or i could have a one three that like doesn't have an aggressive like plan at all so put herbalist in my deck i mean that's fine if what we were trying to account for was why is herbalist played but the the stats that i was looking at aren't samite herbalist is played more than i was than i was expecting samite herbalist was played very very little what happened what i was seeing was samite herbalist one more than I was expecting, where Samite Herbalist was played very, very little and won very, very much. And to me, that says people aren't just playing Samite Herbalist because they needed it too. They're finding some spot where Samite Herbalist is like actually meaningfully good and specifically improving their win rate in a meaningful way, where it's not just like, oh yeah, the Samite he he Herbalist is like doing about as well as Benoist Sleeper. That's cool. This was like, oh, this Samite Herb Herbalist is doing better than everything else. Something weird's happening. What is it? Negate or Urborgs? So there are a lot of cards in this set with Urborg in the name. Since we're talking about blue, I'm going to assume that this is about espionage. So you're asking about whether I prefer negate or Urborg espionage. Uh, no, that's Phyrexian espionage. So there's tribute to Urborg and Urborg repossession. Both of those cards are much better than negate, but are splashes. I, I don't know how to compare those cards. Oh, maybe this is like your threat light and you need to like protect your threats in some way. Uh, it's much, Urborg repossession is much better than the gate for protecting your threats because you don't have to leave mana up. Uh, you can like get them back if something happened. 
and you don't need to like have it at the right time you can find it whenever so as long as you have like access to black mana and you're like threat light and trying to make sure that your threats are around you should definitely prioritize repossession over negate as far as like making sure your threats are there. Does Walking Bulwark have a place even absent other walls in a go-wide archetype like blue-white that can take a little longer to develop, even if it's just to absorb early aggro or soak some trample with an option for damage in the right situation? So like Walking Bulwark does have a like three mana, three, three haste mode, which is theoretically kind of interesting in like an aggressive deck. I have not tried playing it in that way. There, you know, are some decks where it blocks okay against, and like the, you know, three three haste is like three mana for three three haste is like a pretty interesting creature to have access to in blue white, since blue white doesn't usually get that kind of thing. Obviously, if you want to attack with it, it costs an extra two mana every turn. But if you can, you know, force your opponent to trade off with it uh, the first time you attack, then you just straight up got a three mana, three, three haste. It's hard for me to imagine playing Walking Bulwark if I actually didn't have any other walls. To me, the question is like, you're kind of a normal blue-white deck that has an academy wall or two. Do you then want Walking Bulwark because it's like can do that thing on its own but then it also gives you the upside of like turning this thing that was hanging out anyway into a 5-5 attacker that's a little bit more interesting to me uh not something i've explored a lot personally by which i mean i, I just haven't done that and not something that i can really dig into the stats to find out i'm sure that there are people who have the ability to like look at walking bulwarks win rate specifically in decks that don't have chaplain but i am not among those people so i'm gonna go with i don't know if i have some other walls that i want to play anyway then walking bulwark is looking like a reasonable card to consider and i don't think that i like the idea of playing it literally on its own do you think the spell heavy blue white is better leaning toward control destroy evil essence scatter or toward tempo sorry guys are stall for time shore up so to me those are kind of the two those are the spells that the two different kinds of decks are looking for if you're control you're looking for like destroy evil and essence scatter uh if you're like tempo like the geyser and stall for time and shore up and take up the shield are like the spells that you want in the like white version of the deck which i think of as creature heavy right like you i was gonna say you almost definitely definitely don't want shore up if you're spell heavy and creature light because you don't want to play too many cards that need a creature to function but shore up is actually not really that way because shore up ends up getting used to protect your really important uh creatures in the spell heavy versions i think the more spell heavy you are the worst Tolarian Geyser is in a really meaningful way. Uh, same with Stall for Time. Geyser and Stall for Time are very much fundamentally tempo cards, and creatures are the way that you're going to leverage tempo the best. I think I hope that answers the question. Do you think Mana Worker has a place as an early blocker if you're low on playable cheap creatures or early removal, more than fixing this being maybe an upside? Consider the Tide Turner. Tide Turner is not a card I've been very happy with. Um, that's the three mana one three that can uh, tap for mana for 
I don't know, like instant sorceries and kick spells or something. That mana is not very hard to spend in blue decks. Blue decks are uh, using instants and sorceries a lot, but I have not felt very good about Tide Turner. It's also not hard to get Tide Turner in blue white if you want it. The card goes very, very late. So the idea that you would play Mana Worker just to have a 1-3 blocker when you're not really caring about its fixing is like, why Why didn't you just play Tide Turner? Uh, Tide Turner is like the better way to do that, but also very rarely what you're looking for. Is it actually okay to play Love Song of Night and Day on Chapter 1 on the play if you're forcing an opponent to discard a card? That spot is pretty appealing. Um, getting up a card is a good thing to do. It's tricky even then because you're getting your creature and your counter later. And so you need to make sure that you're not sacrificing too much from your tempo game where you're like diluting your tempo game into like when you try to get up a card, you're saying that you're playing an attrition game or a game where attrition matters at least a little bit. Like you're choosing to do less damage to net an extra card. For that to be the choice that you're making, you're clearly not fully dedicated to being aggressive. That said, I don't think blue-white is fully dedicated to being aggressive. And I do think that, you know, this is a deck that, like, you care about getting some damage in, but, like, you're going to be, you know, trading cards, racing. Like, you're not, you know, like, trample aggro combo. You're not, like, any sort of, like, count to 20 burn deck. You're certainly playing an interactive game of magic. I mean, the answer is it's complicated, but if you're like in, you know, toward the like mid-range space, which is a not really a way that people generally describe blue-white, even though it often is. <laughs> I feel like mid-range is so closely associated for a lot of people with Jund that, like, talking about kind of the, like, flexible, like, aggro control kind of decks, like, they kind of don't... They People shy away from calling them mid-range in a way that's just kind of, like, quirky. <laughs> like, it's, it's uh, I don't know, I think an artifact of other things. But anyway... The answer is yes, sometimes I think you can start uh, Love Song of Night and Day on Chapter 1, but not all the time that you, like, you're like you on the play and your opponent has a, hasn't played a 2. Is it correct to do that? You need to pay attention to, like, do I think that like the you know 2 damage or whatever that I'm giving up is 2 damage that I really care about or not? How do you decide if your deck wants Geyser versus Stall for time? I always take Geyser over Stall. Is there a case where stall is better? I think that if both cards are similarly easy to cast, Geyser is quite a bit stronger. The place where I would take stall and not Geyser is if I have like two blue sources and seven white sources or something. But I, I think the cards are just fundamentally not uh, on really comparable power levels. How important and reliable do I put Raph's Pumping to keep you alive or is it Wincon? I think Raph is a great card. Raph. All of the text on every card matters at least a little bit. Uh, I think Raph's pumping is definitely the less important 
part of what Raph is up to in general, but the ability is certainly very relevant, has come up a lot. Uh, the vigilance matters quite a bit compared to like the 3-2 common that uh, can spend five mana to pump your team. Being able to pump your team and give it vigilance is like huge for spots where you're like, in kind of a board stall or low on life and you want to be able to start pressuring your opponent without giving up blockers and really really good for like ending the game quickly uh with like birds in a chaplain deck or taking advantage of like the one ones that tura has made or whatever i think that like raf having that ability makes raf much more realistic as a card that like my whole game plan can revolve around this it's going to like fuel me for a while and then end the game uh versus just like oh this is a cool card advantage engine to the extent that i was like comparing raf to a planeswalker earlier uh i think that you know raf is like a planeswalker that has you know some kind of loyalty ability that draws a card and then like activating it once or twice is kind of like raf's ultimate in the world where raf is a planeswalker um it's not a very strong ultimate of course but raf's a two mana planeswalker that draws cards so with the cost reducing cycle being such a huge part of the color identity i feel like uh, those are the actual signpost on commons despite being common uh what do you think about uh that take and how open do you actually feel this format is to varying or for varying archetypes so uh, uh yeah i've talked before about that way of looking at it that i do think that the like that cycle of commons are really important to understanding uh the colors that entities and to like having a strong deck is just like choosing part of that cycle to optimize for and maximize i think blue white is not is like among the worst phalanx decks and among the worst terror decks and that blue white fundamentally is not about one of those signpost commons uh blue white is actually about blue and white signpost on commons including of course uh protect the neg negotiators like the main like blue white signposts that i think blue white is about are raf protect the negotiators and uh geyser i think that like thinking about those cost reducing commons as signposts for the format is correct but not all decks revolve around any particular kind of signpost and i think blue white is a deck in this format that is relatively not prioritizing that particular set of possible signposts having its own other cards that it's uh kind of focusing on and revolving around instead and that i think is going to wrap us up so thank you very much for tuning in especially those of you in chat for the questions i will be back next week Again, a topic determined by a Patreon poll. Um, so have a good week. Thanks. And uh, later. Space.